time. If you don't know who I am, my name is Judah. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that we get to worship together. For the last couple of weeks, we've been, or rather this is the second week, I've been teaching a series called Mana. Um, Now, this series was based on some of the things that we have been working with this year, Um, specifically the fact that God has called us to pursue after Him as He pursues after us. So this year's theme was the divine pursuit. So God is the one who calls us out of darkness. God is the one who seeks us out when we were lost. We know of the parable where there was one lost sheep He goes after, he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. That is the pursuit of God. And then likewise, he says, those who are my sheep hear my voice and they listen and they follow. So the pursuit of God correlates with the pursuit that we have of him. And so Donovan took us through a series where we dealt with the worth it context of Seeking after God and His ways is totally worth it, even when it gets hard. Life is not always easy. Life is not a bed of roses, or actually it is. It's sweet smelling, but you have thorns in there too, right? It's not always going to be fun. But is it worth it? Is seeking after God, is following in his footsteps, worth it. And we summarized from Donovan's series, it is totally worth it. Because not only does God effect change in our lives, our lives, he causes us to affect other lives through the comfort that we have received. There are things that God trains in us in the, in the going through things that when someone else is walking through hardship, when someone else is walking through something, We are not there with just polite words or even company. We are there with kind of what Rosie was talking about, certain footsteps. There are certain things that you are sure about in God because you've walked that. You're not just imagining that from a theological perspective. You're not just doing that because the Bible says it's so. While I love that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If it's just the Bible that tells you so, you're sunk tomorrow when you don't have the Bible and you feel like nobody loves you. It has to be something that the Bible tells you so that you have a firm footing in for yourself. It's not because you were taught that in Sunday school. Now, being taught that in Sunday school helps. But what makes it so? Relationship with God. Do you you understand, if if you were paying attention to any of the things God was sharing with us this morning already, you're starting to see that the practical outworking of the things of God all come without fanfare. It comes without some big experience. It happens in the mundaneness of everyday life. Where I encounter things with God which I cannot make up. I cannot cook up. It cannot be, it does not come with with fancy prayer words. It does not come with really cool banger songs. It comes with just, I will be a strength to you today. Some of you have shared, I don't know if you got to do this in your life group, but it was so enriching to me over the life group To hear from different ones, when we dealt with that first question, how has the trials that you've walked through taught you to put your faith in God? Like, What are the benefits that you have received from your walk with God through a trial? To see the things that God has shown us, even in this past week, words that seem so like a big giant nothing, words like, I will be a strength to you today. For surely I will help you. Now, well, obviously God's going to help you. Well, obviously Jesus loves you. Tell me something a little bit more profound. But guess what? That will take you through your day because it was your daily bread. When you receive the work of God... In humility, saying, you are the only wise God. Like what Jen was saying, that we, 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 can, we can chart out in technicolor 
all the things about our life that we think are going to go wrong. We should get awards. We should get Oscars for the movies we make in our head about our lives. But guess what? And Jen shared this with me before she came up. She didn't use this words up here, but it's very important that you understand when you reckon that God is the only wise God, He has wisdom you don't see. So when He sees something about your life and He says, let me paint a picture for you, you're like, no, that isn't my life. You must be talking about somebody else. It's because I haven't fundamentally reckoned him as the only wise God. And Donovan was touching on that. Where I have an impression of who I am or who God is to me. And I haven't fundamentally humbled myself saying, you know way better than I do. I want to teach God. I want to school God on how my life really works. You, you, no, 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 you're getting it wrong. That works for those people. For me, really, the thing that I really need ministry for, what I really need touched in my heart, it, he's like, I made you in the secret place. Before even one of your days came into being, I saw you. I put my hand upon you. I've hemmed you in from behind and before, and I've laid my hand upon you. Now, is your response, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I, I can't even begin to understand how you know me so completely. That is Psalm 139, if you're wondering. Go read that for yourself. When you start to find that God has fashioned you for His great name. Not for your great name. This is something that has so transformed me over these past two weeks as I've been worshiping with that song that we last sang. Because it seems like a smattering of words that don't necessarily go together unless you're reckoning this fundamental truth. God is not like anyone else. When I started to say, Lord, reveal how unlike anyone else you are to me. I started to find you did this stuff for the sake of your great name. Not for the sake of my great name. Not for the sake that I might have a better testimony. Not that I might have a better life. My purpose in life is to bring glory to His great name. The problem is we are looking for God's purpose for my life rather than my purpose in God's purpose. We often think my purpose, my destiny, which is why in, I'm not going to criticize these things, but we have the church of Jesus totally inundated with messages about destiny and purpose. But what does it all have to do with? You. Your destiny and your purpose have to do with his great name. When you reckon that fundamental truth, everything else shifts. Everything else shifts about how you pray for things, how you seek to have trouble in your life lifted, how you seek to navigate things that seem difficult at this time. Because it's not about me. As long as I am the starting point of the solution... As long as my life and my benefits and my promises all have to do with me getting something, I've already started off on making my name great. We won't call it that. But we will come and do the singing the song stuff. We will do the reading the verses. And, but all of it has to do, how can God make my life more manageable or better? This journey wasn't about you. So there are two aspects that I touched on last week. And I asked you to read through Exodus chapter 14 through 17. When you start to see that when God called the, the people of Israel out of Egypt, He was painting a picture, it's called a type, of what was the reality in the spiritual realm of what was going to happen with you and I. He pulled us out of darkness. 
So there was a coming out of things. But guess what? He didn't just plop you in Canaan. He didn't just plop you in the promised land. He's like, whoop, bloop. Which is why I don't like the song, Swing, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Because everybody wants to take off. No one wants to go through the journey. How many songs do you have about, Lord, I seek your face in the wilderness? Thank you for the wilderness. Thank you for the journey. Thank you that my shoes don't wear out. Thank you that none of us are afflicted. And it's in the middle of distress God does that. But the children of Israel did not see that. They just said, we need more water. I need better food to eat. This isn't doing it for the calorie intake. You're asking us to walk miles and miles each day. What gives? So when God brings manna, it seems like a, what is this? What? Like this can, sure, surely this is not the real solution. That lasted for 40 years. Every single morning, even in the middle of their grumbling, even in the middle of them going against God, even in the middle of them questioning Moses, even in the middle of them yelling about Joshua and Caleb and saying, we're like grasshoppers, we shouldn't go into the land. Through all of that, God still provided daily bread. With a stiff-necked, rebellious, complaining, foolish people. For why? why? Why did he do that? For the sake of his great name. When you understand that God's name will not be put to shame. What does that say about who you are? I belong to him. So guess what? Even if it looks like I am being put to shame or I don't have enough today. His name will not be put to shame. So I can make my footsteps sure as I lean into who He is. Not who I am or where my situation's at, but who He is and what He said. And what He said to the Israelites is, I will take you into the land. But it doesn't look like it. We've been here for years. It's because you need to be here for a few more years. Because you're so convinced that I owe you the promises of the kingdom, I owe you the benefits of the closeness of my presence, and you refuse to give me your heart. I am your personal heavenly pop machine, that every time you put in a prayer, or every time you say something, something's got to pop back out. You forget, you are here for my great name, not the other way around. So, when we get back to this understanding that the wilderness was not just a, oh, God saved us from bondage. Ta-da! We are in the promised land. While God takes us out of something and into something else, like Rosie was pointing out, there are promises that are on the journey. There are promises that are yes and amen in Him, but there are not yet. But Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So that includes the one on the way and the ones that we don't fully see yet. All of it in one shot. He says the moment you receive Jesus, everything is contained in Him. Everything. The whole package deal. The issue is, do you have Jesus or do you have the promises? The problem is we have people trying to claim promises without claiming Jesus. I want the promises. I want the job. I want the finance. I want the health. I want the whatever. But I don't want the Jesus. Because that means I have to lay something down, which is my wisdom. And I will be dropped with something that looks like a nothing burger of a of a promise, like, I will be a strength to you today. No, I really need my job to change, and I really need a better pay rate, and I need... Sure, 
I see that, that what, that's what makes sense to you right now. And for all you know, if you just walked the steps for a few more days or even years, depending on how you walked with him, he'll say, yeah, a new job is what you need. And I will give you the best job. But today I will be strength to you. Are you sure about that? No, I just need... Are you sure about the provision I have for you today? There are no shortcuts in God. No shortcuts. So, receiving the work of the Holy Spirit is Him changing you every day. We received that word this morning. If He is not changing you every day, you are not progressing into the promised land. Everybody wants milk and honey. He says, I've given you bread for today. And when Jesus, and I, start, I touched on this last week. When Jesus was taken into the wilderness, this is another one of those types. You start to see that it maps exactly what happened to Israel happened here too. He was led into the wilderness and he was tested for 40 days. Not 40 years, for 40 days. And every single time, what was being tested? What was being tested? We always think that God was just taking them through this for the heck of it. Or it was just like one of those things they had to get through so that they could get into the promised land. No. He was pulling things out. And with Jesus, one of the first things that he did, he says, I will practice. And this was just as he was starting his ministry. He says, I will not do anything I don't hear God say. So the first thing that was assaulted is, you know that you can, because you actually have the God-man position. You can actually say to these rocks, become bread and it'll become bread for you. Jesus actually had the authority to do that. Satan was not messing around when he said that to him. He wasn't joshing him. He was like, if you say to these rocks, become bread, it'll become bread for you. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. The tempter came to him and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, this is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where God talks about why he put manna in the desert. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3 says this. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he may what? Humble you. Testing to know what was in your heart. And whether you would keep his commandments or not. It's amazing. God was looking for a heart condition. And then a response based on that heart condition. He humbled you and let you do what? He let you hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know. But that he might make you know this very important truth. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It seems almost disconnected. Why would God connect giving someone food to believing that every word that he speaks matters more than food? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why would he connect these two thoughts? Because there is a closeness that he is looking for where your heart is fully fed by the things that are on his heart. Let me put it in a more understandable context. When you love somebody... You will go almost an entire day. If you are out and you're just in each other's company, you'll be surprised how you can go without food for quite a while. 
until someone says, should we go get something to eat? Because your mind is not occupied by, this is what I want to eat right now. Because the presence of that person envelops you into almost like a bubble of, you are everything I need right now. Which is why the, the, you get this adage, they live on love and fresh air. Why does, that, why does that even exist? It is because when you are in love with someone, suddenly it seems like you are feeding on fresh air. Just going out with them makes you come alive. Spending time together, talking late into the night, gives you, energizes you. How does that happen? I am normally a person, by the time it's 9 o'clock, I hit the, I'm out. But when you're in love, man, it's 4 a.m., I'll wake up, I'll have phone calls, I'll do whatever I need to do because I'm so in love. And God is drawing us to a place where he says, does the words of my mouth draw you on a heart level that he says, the Lord is speaking. Go with me to John chapter 4 and verse 31. And you will see this play out in real time. In John chapter 4, now we covered this when we did our John study. All the disciples are around him. And now he had just done a, he had done a huge long day's worth of ministry. His disciples came to him and said in verse 31, Rabbi, eat. Please eat. This is in John chapter 4, verse 31 through 40, 34. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Excuse me? So the disciples started asking one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Like, did you, Andrew, did you give him something? I, I, you're the guy who gets the food. Like, James, did you give him anything to eat? And then Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I'm talking on a very deep, fundamentally, it's almost like it, it dro drove him every single day. There was an energy he had that pushed him right through what we would call the hunger barrier and all of these other things. The tiredness barrier. Talk to a mom who has just given birth. How do you do it? Sure, crunching up ice or having something to eat. Like After a certain point, food doesn't do it for you. You're almost completely mission-minded. This baby's coming out. How... Do they endure that much physical strain, that much mental strain, that much body strain for such a sustained period of time? Because there is a very clear focus. I must do this. But we don't get to those places easily in our heart. Because we have Netflix. We have food, restaurants, we have all these other things to appetize us, to constantly keep us filled and dulled to the work in the presence of God. So when God shows up, oh, seriously? I got to read like one, how many chapters? Two, okay, two chapters. Oh. Okay. I could do another three hours of whatever that series was. It's not a judgment based on that. But do you see how easily, what I'm trying to draw attention to is not, you should be reading more Bible. That's not the thing I'm, I'm highlighting here. What I am highlighting is, do you see how easy our heart gets satisfied? It's so easy. But it's full. It's not empty, it's full. So when you think about food, that actually gives you the very clear indicator, you're full. How often do you live on bread alone? That hearing from God is not even on the radar. 
This is why we never get to some of these certain places in our walk with God. This is why we are not certain about certain promises that He has made to us. Because I would much rather get filled by my day, filled by my Technicolor movie about myself, so that when it comes to the things of God and what God has to say to me, I have, uh, maybe I get a good, like, just a little, cut me a small slice. You know that, you know that those fake kind of things when someone's giving out dessert, you're like, cut me a small slice, but you actually mean a big slice? Just, just a little. And we pretend like as if that has satisfied us. Knowing full well we haven't had our daily filling of the Word of God. I'm not talking about Bible reading. I'm talking about the daily fill of God Himself speaking to me. Where God gets to change the fundamental makeup of my hunger palate. Where I desire these things more than gold. More than fine gold. I, 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 I search for His word like the drippings of the honeycomb. Like it is so tasty to me. We'll get to that. So there were three H's I gave you last week. And I know I sped through them. So let me go through them carefully. He will first cause you to hunger. Without hunger, there will never be a pursuit. The issue is, what do you fill the hunger with? So when there is a hunger, I am immediately designed for the things of God. And God designed that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is a fact. I accept that fact. And I say, Lord, I do not live by what I put inside my belly. I live by the words that come from your mouth. I want to develop a hunger for that. So that I don't move into complaint about what my physical belly needs. What my mental belly needs. I need more fulfilling relationships. That's what I need. Oh, do you? I need a better job. We have all kinds of little bellies in our, which we are trying to fill all the time. But the one that always goes hungry is the spirit man's belly. There is nothing in there. He's going on fumes. And the Holy Spirit says, be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you will start to feel nourished, established. And this starts to change the way all of these other bellies operate. All of the other things that can so quickly say, oh, I need to be full. I need something. Get, get in my tummy. You know that feeling? I don't, I felt like I needed football today. There are many of us who feel that feeling. But guess what? You don't really need football today. Is it nice? I'd love, I want to go watch the game today. But I cannot live by bread alone or football games alone. Put whatever you want over there. I don't care what it is. The issue is, it's drawing your attention to the opposite, which is by live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Have I ever considered that for my day to day? I'm very content to put on my shoes and get out there and go do whatever this day holds. But I have not heard, and I am proceeding without the word from the mouth of God. So hunger will be the starting place. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek after me with all your heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after his righteousness. For they will be satisfied. What is the first and the greatest commandment? Matthew 22. You will love the Lord your God. And with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your strength. You have said seek my face. Lord. My heart says to you Lord your face I will seek. When hunger is, is, is drawn up. Where there is a. You've wet your appetite for something. 
Now, we move to the next age, which is, I start to hear. And Bob has taken us through this several times now, if you've been part of this church. It is the word, I am listening to do. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Watch over your heart with all vigilance because out of it flows the wellsprings of life. So everything that pertains to your life comes out of here. So if there is a hunger for other things, guess what is going to come out? The desires for those other things. The inclinations for those other things. The being led astray by those other things. Being appetized by those other things. So don't say, Lord, reduce the appetite for that. Start with the desire for His ways first. We want Him to plug the hole that is squirting out all of this other stuff. Do something over there. Lord, I want this desire to go. I want this habit to stop in my life. I don't want this distraction in my life. He says, well, before we talk about your distractions, what has your attention? Have you given me your heart? When I have your heart, I will start to have your attention. Then the other distractions start to become a footnote. The problem is we're always talking about the distractions. The third H is after we have hungered, we have heard, now comes the hineni part, which is I heed. I'm listening to practice. I'm listening to do. I'm not listening just for the sake of saying, oh, that, that, that was real good. That's, I mean, that's Instagrammable, that's realable. Or, ah, oh, I should add that to my podcast list. I mean, that, that was a word. It's a word. Like, all these things that I've seen this generation come up with, all ways to mask I want something to tickle my ears, but I never want to do it. It's only a word that I can post and share with someone else. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In verse 34 it says, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Just read Psalm 119. That's good homework for you. If you want to value the word of the Lord, learn from those who value the word of the Lord. And Psalm 119 is a great place to start. You will sit there. The first time I remember I was a 10-year-old boy when I read Psalm 119. And I, it came up in my reading and I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy keeps saying the same thing. It's like, what's with this guy? And I still remember it. My 10-year-old self wrote in my Bible, why does he love God's word so much? He, it's like he's saying the same thing, but in different ways. We get to Psalm 19. One, uh, psalm 19 is another one of those psalms, which is amazing. But Psalm 119 is my favorite when it comes to loving the word of the Lord. Because you start to find the language of someone who's had a heart change. Because I first thought it was about keeping God's words. That was the important thing. And it's only as I've grown older, I've started to find what God was after is, do you love what I say? Because otherwise it's a chore. It's such a burden to you. It is something that you're like, oh, what did I do wrong now? That is our immediate response the moment we hear God's voice. Oh, you mean I need to be doing this better? I need to be doing that better? And that's what we often encounter with our children. But when we go back a step, when we get into that tussle with our children, or when God gets into that tussle with us, He will come back to the fundamental question. Do you know I love you? 
You love me? Do you love me? Lord, I love you. Do you love me? He will ask the question of whether you are sure of his love for you. Is that a solid place that you go back to? Go back to that regularly. Which is why when God gives you your daily bread and he says, Today, guess what you need? I love you. <laughs> I know that God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. John three sixteen. I know that. Thank you very much, sir. I learned that in Sunday school in 1984. But is it life to you today? Which is why now do you understand why I'm saying, for the Bible tells me so, ain't going to cut it. Because the Bible has to become life to you today. So when I go to his word, because I love the Lord, because I love his voice, I go to his word. Now that word is dynamite in my hands. And by it, Psalm 19, let's read in verse 9 through 11. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They're always right. He is always right. When God says something, He is always right. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, moreover by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is a great reward. That's the cherry on the top. The reward part of it. The goal was your heart. The benefit for the nations is watching the reward of those who keep His word. He will prove Himself holy to the nations through your life. He is not like anyone else to be trifled with. When can the body of Christ stand up and say, God's name is holy, watch me live. The church of Jesus Christ has become a joke and a footnote in contemporary culture. Why? Because we have made our faith more about us than about the holiness of God. Where God's name cannot be put to shame. Not because I do something fancy for Him, but because I'm so unmovable, immovable from the things that this life throws at me because He is holy. He's called me to be separate. That is what makes His name not be put to shame. Not because you do something big. Not because you say something grand on a Facebook or a Instagram or wherever it is. But because you live it. And they're like, this guy is totally weirdly different. And that's okay. So when I do these three things of hungering, hearing, and heeding his voice, I start to practice certain things. And I'm going to leave you with three simple things that we can end with. When you encounter trial, how do you walk through it? With joy. Not because the trial is joyful, but because I have a certain hope. He will prove himself holy. He is worthy of my trust. So I will lean only on his voice. So even though it seems like a heavy and a long-standing affliction, that's a light and momentary affliction. When I weigh it against the eternity of what God is doing. So being someone who doesn't look like I'm achieving much, or looks like I haven't had sufficient number of wins, the promises to God... The promises of God to me are yes and amen because I have Jesus. So whether there are things that I'm walking through 
that don't look like I'm in the promised land yet, that does not scare me. But guess what? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. While I'm walking these footsteps, I will see the goodness of God. Why? Because I've learned to trust His voice and not my belly. Of how satisfied I am today. I am completely satisfied doing the will of my Father in heaven. That is my food. Secondly, cast your cares. As you're walking through what seems to be a wilderness, you face trials with joy, yes, because you choose it. But secondly, I take those anxieties, those burdens I have, and I commit them to the Lord. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. I entrust myself into His care. This is what Jesus did on the cross. He knew that there was, He was starting to get overwhelmed. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He committed Himself to the only one who could care. No one else could carry that. No one else could carry Him. Psalm 55 verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. This is a sure foundation. But do you see that word burden? You and I walk around with this stuff. And we wonder why we feel exhausted. There was an exhaustion Literally a week after leaving Egypt, the nation of Israel had already picked up baggage. They had already picked up emotional baggage, physical baggage, other things that they felt like, we, I don't know, how are we going to get through this? Are we ever going to get there? And then literally the moment, the, the first sign of any trouble, you brought us out here to kill us, didn't you? Because there wasn't a casting of my burden to the Lord. He is the one who has called us out. He is the one who carries me. I need to stop trying to take it into my day. So when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do before I go and have my breakfast is, Lord, I take every burden I have today and I give it to you. This past week has been maybe one of the biggest shifts for me of seeing how much I carry into bed, and out of it. Oh my God. No wonder. I weigh like 800, 900 pounds. Because every night I go to bed and I'm like. Uh, and I started to see. I was doing exactly what the nation of Israel did. I sit there grumbling against. I, you know, my back hurts. And my, this is not fixed. And, and I don't have that yet. And. And my mind is overwhelmed. And I have painted this amazing picture in my head of how horrible my current existence is. And I refuse to hunger after His voice. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. These are things that we can so quickly get swiped. It can, you can find yourself sitting there and you're like, I just spent the last two hours worrying about my life. How did that happen? And I'm talking as the guy who's preaching this message. It's because the, the hunger for, I must be filled here. I must be fulfilled here. This is one of those things you will hear in the world around you. Find what fulfills you. Guess what? You don't know what fulfills you. Or at least we attempt to band-aid it with all kinds of other things and we call it fulfillment. But God wired you to not live by all these different bellies. But by every word that proceeds from His mouth. When that is right, you will start to find the fulfillment He gives you in a relationship that is nurturing. He will give you fulfillment in the food you eat. He will give you fulfillment in the words you read and speak. You will start to find fulfillment in the things you do. Why? Because I live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The last 
thing I want to leave you with. While you're walking through this, you will find your discernment has to grow. You need to discern the word of the Lord. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You do not get to do that if you have not done the three H's. Hunger for Him, hear Him, and heed His voice. The more you practice, the more you know. The more you practice, the more you know. The more you practice, the more you know. We always start from the question, I'm not sure if I am hearing God. Guess what? Start by hearing God first. And if you need help, start going to people who have heard the voice of the Lord from His Word and in practice. Don't talk, don't talk to people who only talk Bible to you. Find people who've read the Word and then practiced it. Learn with small steps. And then as your discernment grows, you will start to find someone say, you know what? God really wants you to be blessed today by, you know, you need to only stand here and see the victory of the Lord. It's Bible language. Is that the word of the Lord to you? This is where discernment comes in. Because God's word can be quoted I mean, look at what the devil did to Jesus. He took, he took Bible verses and told him that. But you have to have a relationship and say, no, this is not my daily bread. My daily bread is hold on to my hand. Hold fast to the faith which you profess. And I will open a door for you. That might have been the word of the Lord to you. But you are busy trying to force fit your life into what you heard some preacher on Instagram say or what someone else has said and it was oh it's a word it's such a powerful word guess what it's a powerful word for them not for you because it is not your daily bread if you don't receive for you no one else can and God designed it so nobody I want you to mark this in your Bible mark it anywhere you write down things nobody can receive from God for your daily bread. They can receive words for you. They can receive even counsel and insight for you. Wonderful. I'm helpful for that. The pastors we have, the believers we have in this church, all good for different things. But they are not good for your daily bread. He's designed it that each one must go out and pick up their daily bread for themselves. No one can do it for them. The moment you try and get for somebody else, it'll rot. There would be worms in it. You try and take too much, it'll rot. Try and take too little, you won't have. But He will always give you what you need. John chapter four, one, 1 John 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is why I think this word is so much more important now than it has ever been. Because the amount of people we have inundating our newsfeed, our homes, with words from the Lord. Why are people so easily led astray? Is because we have not made the practice of going and getting our own daily bread. Where the children of God do not know how to collect their own bread, they will go for what someone else's bread is. Which is why we have trained a culture that come to church services on a Sunday and want to hear the word of the Lord. If I'm giving you the word of the Lord and you don't have some for yourself, guess what? You will, you will find yourself deteriorate week after week, month after month, year after year, until you are attending church services. And then you're trying to convince family to attend church with you. Church will not solve your problem because it's a bread problem. It is a living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God problem. So if we are truly to get our families 
on the same page. If we truly are going to be a people who say we're going to discern things rightly, we have to practice walking through this season called the wilderness well. We're only traveling here. This is not our home. But this is a training ground for maturity. So if tomorrow you come to me and still have the same issues of when I called you out of Egypt, and you have not seen the power of God manifest in your family, my question is not, how can I give you more of what I have? The issue is, why is this child of God going without bread? There is something missing in this home which has led to a deprivation of nourishment because it is by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I am committed to this. The pastors in this church, we as more mature believers in this church are committed to this task. We will come alongside you. We will work with you. Our job is to make you more sure of the things you have in God. Not for your sake, for the sake of His great name. So that we all nourish one another by saying, we have received this, but let's go, go get your bread. There's more out there. It's for you. It's not for me. It's for you. The more we encourage each other to seek after the voice of God, not some voice in the sky. We're talking about saying, I live by your word. We'll go into that next week. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that your word is life and your word is truth. Lord, help us desire these things from our heart, not from a religious standpoint. Lord, that we would seek your face and do the will of our Father who is in heaven. Lord, I ask that every word that proceeds from your mouth will be life to us. Help us, Father. Help us see these things. Holy Spirit, I ask for your changing work, for your power to be manifest in these jars of clay. Lord, as they go home, as they meet with one another, as they talk about these things, Lord, that you would draw them to places of new encounter with you. Lord, for myself, Lord, that you would draw me into deeper encounters with you. Lord, that I will not live by bread alone or what satisfies me on earth, but I will live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.